Welcome to the Partnernomics Show, where industry thought leaders discuss the hottest topics in partnerships, ecosystems, and innovation. The Partnernomics Show is brought to you by Iolite Solutions, a product incubator specific to Salesforce. Now here's the host of the Partnernomics Show, Mark Brigman. Welcome back to another episode of the Partnernomics Show. Good to be with you again today. And we have a special guest with us, Mr. Ron Wastel. So Ron is the SVP of Business Development Channels and Alliances for Jitterbit. Ron, how you doing, sir? Good. How you doing, Mark? Good. Doing good. Thanks for carving out some time to chat with us today. Uh, man, I really enjoyed uh, just Jitterbit. Cool company, cool stuff that you guys are doing. So I'm really looking forward to, to digging into the conversation and also getting to hear about uh, just your perspectives uh, within the partnering space. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of start off by telling us a little bit uh, about yourself. Sure. So been in the uh, tech market for over 30 years, kind of started out pretty early on, you know, um, at big companies. NCR uh, was kind of my first job out of school, was a sales guy. Uh, We acquired a company called Teradata. That was kind of interesting. Started to learn a little bit about the Teradata culture versus the NCR culture. Uh, and then I uh, kind of worked my career up through about nine different startups, ventures, private equity firms. And you still have I hair. Today at, at Jitterbit. Yeah, I learned a lot <laughs> about a lot of different business models and how VCs think versus private equity people think. Uh, but I also have two children uh, and uh, 20, 28 and 29. And I'm married to uh, a beautiful wife for over 30 years. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Ron, you ready to fire in and uh, we'll jump into some questions. Let's do it. Question number one. Um, What what prompted you to jump into this crazy wild world of partnering and to stay here? Yeah, it's I'm sure a lot of people ask that themselves that question right these days, because it can be kind of crazy. I think a lot about what drove me here. And, and as I mentioned a little earlier, I was a direct salesperson for quite a while and even became a VP and 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 became a CRO for a little while. And I think what I learned during those activities was that uh, direct sales is all about 90 days. And so it was always about what, what have you done for me lately and can you transact? And I think I found myself saying, well, I want to influence what's upstream from selling. I want to I want to be more part of the strategy of where to go find which markets and go after. And so after about 10 years of selling, I decided I wanted to try product management and product marketing. And so I actually spent about five to seven years trying to be a product manager, trying to be a product marketing person and kind of learning this idea of defining markets, building markets, messaging to markets and building selling playbooks. So we could teach the sellers how to sell. And I want to be part of that process rather than just the person running the playbook, if you will. So I learned a lot about, you know, selling, product management, product marketing, but I kept feeling that I was missing the market and I wasn't touching the market enough. And so I found myself being drawn to partnerships because I think partnerships then were interacting with the leaders in the markets And you could gather up that information to know how you should go to market by learning how the other players were going to market and how to kind of navigate with them and around them as you went to market. And so I think that's what drove me eventually into partnerships is that 
I love doing selling, marketing, product, services, right? Renewals, expansion. I love all of that. Partnerships kind of gives you that general management responsibility and umbrella that I think I was missing in each department. Well, whenever you uh, first got into partnering, was it more was it more focused on, say, the traditional sales channel side? Hey, let's grab some more revenue. How can we sell this thing? Or was it more focused on what I would call like solutions building, working more on the product creation side? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I wouldn't say I came from the classic channel role. And, and the reason is, is because early in my career, I started in analytics and then quickly moved into integration. And so last 20 years, I've been doing a lot of integrations and therefore that drove me tech to tech partnerships, probably more than the classic consulting partnership kind of relationships. I've done a lot of consulting partnerships, but what I started to watch and learn was that the consulting partnerships tended to follow the tech partnerships. And so I started to really pull myself into a lot more around alliances maybe than classic channels and even BD, which starts to get into how do these product partnerships work and these marketing partnerships work, not just how the selling partnerships work. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure does. I got I to ask you this uh, question is, is another follow-up. Um, BD, I mean, what is business development and how would you define that? Because I've talked in years past about uh, business development and how that term has seemed to shifted or have, have morphed over time from more of kind of a, a strategic partnering internal and external role and work to now kind of being almost synonymous with sales. What is what is your view or vantage point on that word? Yeah, it, it's interesting. You probably get a kick out of this too, Mark. I I find the words themselves fascinating to watch as they get grabbed and used by different departments, right? And so I think BD, when I first thought about the word BD, you know, it's pretty simple. It's it's business development, right? So it's usually the start of developing a business and a business model and whether we're going to develop it together to go to a market, right? And so I think that's where the word kind of came out of and why it tended to be more strategic in the in the sense of how are we going to develop a business, not how are we going to sell in a business that already exists, right? So what I think happened is the SDR community seems to have grabbed that word and turned everybody into a BDR, right? A business development rep. And so I think it's been pulled into sales and marketing because a lot of people like that title and I think it makes them sound more fancy and things like that, right? But when I think about classic business development over all those years, it was a lot around uh, define a business plan, right? What's the business plan that we're gonna do? And are we even gonna invest in this business plan to make it work? And then if we are, what are we gonna have to do with that business plan to execute it, right? And that's where I think you go into, okay, what are we gonna have to do with product? What do we have to do with marketing? How are we going to sell this thing? Which routes to market, right? How are we going to deliver this thing in rich regions? So I think, you know, you get into all those things when you're developing a business together, but I think each group then grabs it to mean it in their own department's way of what role they play in that development of the business. Yeah, def definitely been uh, my experience uh, with that as well. All right, let's fire into the next question. And that is, you know, what are the most critical 
skills and knowledge that is needed for a successful career in partnerships? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I think it relates to your last one, Mark, around um, this idea. And, and I and I try to break down those words a little bit that we talk about channels versus alliances versus BD. And let's even throw corp dev in that bucket too, right? And that is that they're really uh, disciplines of two functions oftentimes. I think channels is the discipline of sales and service, right? How are we going to sell it and how are we going to deliver it in a market, right? I think alliances is a combination of marketing and selling, right? How are we going to position it and then how are we going to sell it? But alliances tends to focus more on the lead, whereas channels tends to focus more on the deal and the ARR, right? And things like that. I think in BD, you get into a little bit, how does product and marketing work together, right? How, how are we going to build this thing? What markets are we going to go after? And what is our forecast and plan to drive that? So I think my advice to people that are in the partner business and maybe got into it through sales, let's say, and you're starting to learn channels, right? Because selling and channels is similar. Learn services too, because delivery is really important to executing that sales model because you not get renewals or expansion if you deliver poorly, right? Just because you sell it doesn't mean you're going to sell it again. If you so, I think selling and servicing is important in channels. I think marketing and sales. So learn marketing, not just sales. If you're in alliances, really understand the processes and the methodology, and then product and marketing. If you're in BD, I think corp dev goes into all those things a lot of times, right? But I would say learn the discipline first, and then the hard part we all know is that now you got to get two companies to operate together on that. So I got to get my marketing talking with their marketing. I got to get my sales talking to their sales. So if you don't understand the discipline, it's hard to get those groups to work together. I love the way you've laid that out there. And it's probably the best that I've ever heard. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me of what those components are. And it just seems, you know, I've heard people talk about uh, the, the partnering role and how that's probably most similar to like, say, a, an executive, like a C-level position because to your the point that you're making, you work cross-functionally across, you know, you across your entire organization. And not only just in, across your organization, you're walking, you're you're working cross-functionally across another organization, your partner's organization. So it's like the the ultimate air traffic controller position, connecting a lot of dots. I think some people uh, are just built to have that more narrow but deep, very focused. Uh, discipline that they want to stay in and others, uh, they like more of the challenge of being this air traffic controller, being able to go out, see the big picture and and put their hands into into a lot of these different pots. Is that kind of the way that, that you would view that as well? Yeah. And I think, Mark, you could appreciate this and a lot of us can in partnering. Working cross-functionally is, is oftentimes much harder than working in a silo, right? Because you're exposing not only your handoffs, how good is your marketing department handing it off to sales? But then you're having to work with their handoffs. How good is their marketing handed off to sales? And then how good are they working outside of their own companies to talk to anybody else besides their own company? So you're trying to coordinate a lot of silos a lot of times. And so that's why I think partner teams struggle because they're expected to deal with some dysfunctionality of their own departments and their partner's departments to execute the model. Well, it's funny, like you'd, you'd mentioned your background in entrepreneurship 
and starting up so many different businesses. And it's, it's, it's interesting whenever I get the opportunity to talk to a lot of different professionals like yourself of uh, that high correlation between people that love the world of partnerships, but have also spent a lot of time starting businesses, whether as an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. Uh, I think there's just a lot of commonalities in those uh, skills and, and in the knowledge base that, uh, that they need to have. All right, I'm going to fire up uh, question number three for you, and that is around trends. What uh, what are the trends? You've been doing this for three decades uh, plus now. What's What are the trends that you're seeing in the partnership landscape now? And let's say it's across all of those, right? BD, alliances, channels. What's some stuff that you're seeing out in the market? Yeah, so I think the big the biggest trend I think we're all seeing and talking about and we talked about it a little earlier, is this transition from channels to ecosystems, right? And and I think the thinking around that is much more difficult than people give it credit for. I find a lot of people that grew up in the channel world see partnerships in that model, right? And what we talked about is that if you see the world through channels, you tend to see it as a selling process issue, right? and enabling those channels to sell like you. But when you start to think about ecosystems, the first thing I think you've got to think about is it may not start with you. <laughs> it actually may start with a platform and uh, 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 an ecosystem and a marketplace that doesn't even know you exist yet. And that you have to figure out how to design yourself into it and work with them at the product level, the marketing level, sales, service level. And that requires a very different way to approach a market and go to a market than just getting someone to sell in a region because you don't have any reps there and they're your channel. And everything you produce works for them because it's just like another rep. This is, you have to design yourself into that market, their market. You're not designing yourself pushing your market to somebody else. And I think that's a very difficult thing for a lot of people that have grew up in the channel world to, to, to evolve on well, their thinking. It seems that, especially from the from the vendor, the solutions provider perspective, is they got to build their channel program and they get to make the rules and lay it out here and say, this is what it looks like to work with us, sign it or don't. <laughs> and that has been flipped on its head uh, where it's, okay, now I'm coming into this and positioning myself, as, as you articulated, to to be a value play member so that I can get accepted in, into this, this community, into this ecosystem offering. And uh, to your point, I think a lot of companies have struggled and continue to struggle with that that paradigm shift, that, uh, that little little twist that's been added into, into the equation. Yeah, even to add to that, Mark, maybe the reason some of us run to smaller companies and build, want to build from scratch versus trying to run an existing model at 10,000 people or whatever, is it's very hard to evolve your partner model if you're that big. And so the ability to build agilely when you're small and adapt to other people's partner models is much easier when you're small than the bigger you get, the harder it is. And, and you can probably see it, it's hard to explain to a lot of people inside your own company, this partner model is different than this one. 
we have to operate this way in this ecosystem. We have to operate that way in another. That makes things complex. And so just getting the first step, I think, is understanding you're designing into somebody else's market is, is very important because then you have to think about how they operate and how to fit into it rather than, to your point, trying to push your rules and, and regulations on people. Also size, right? I, I We have... We have uh, approaches for people that are smaller than us on how they should operate with us, you know, and very prescriptive. But I know I have to play by the other people's roles when I go into the Shopify market, the Salesforce market, the Microsoft market, right? I'm in integration. So I have to connect all these ecosystems together. So you can imagine we live in that idea of how do I fit inside of Microsoft versus Salesforce's market? Yeah. Last question for you before we let you go. And that is, you know, just around relationships uh, and partnerships. I think that's why the, those of us that are really drawn to, to the partnering professional or profession is we love relationships and, and building those. So I'm going to just kind of ask you, you know, what's, what do you do? Kind of what's your philosophy is, and when it comes to building relationships and, and nurturing them, um, you know, for the, for the long haul. Yeah. So I, you know, it's funny, a term that I think started in sales, but I think it's a really important term for all of us in partnerships is cadence. And I think a lot about um, how do you cadence to align and make sure you're progressing? And, um, you know, when I think about some of the weakest partnerships, you're cadencing once a year, <laughs> you know. If you've got something pretty good going and, you know, but you got a lot of partners, maybe you're cadencing quarterly and quarterly reviews, right? But if you're going to monthly, if you're going to weekly, and if you can get to daily, I think that's where it starts to get real interesting. And that doesn't have to be a meeting like you and I have over Zoom. It can be Slack. It can be anything. But is the communications happening to develop that relationship? And when I think about it, as an individual, you know, who am I cadencing with and how am I doing about that? But as I think about it as a company, it's even more challenging because what I'm also thinking about is, is my product team cadencing with their product team? Is my marketing team cadencing with their marketing team? Are they building relationships and cadencing as well? And so I think cadence is a good indication of whether your relationships are growing or atrophying by how often those communications happen. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. It's, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind sort of a thing. I think like our partners, they have a full plates, thousand things going on, all of these different priorities. And uh, I think we're the same way, you know, if we're honest with ourselves in our own companies. Um, but man, it, it really does come down to relationships. I think, you know, if you can even graduate from that business level into that personal where we want to see them be successful in the role. They they feel invested in us. They want us to be successful in our own personal role as well as you know where we sit for the organization as well. Uh, I can really kind of take things to to the next level, but but we do have to invest in that, right? And it is yeah, it is time. And that takes personal effort to drive and proactively cadence as opposed to saying. Why aren't they cadencing with me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. Ron, thank you so much for spending time with us. I, I really enjoyed uh, this conversation and look forward to, to having some more with you in the future. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Partnernomics Show. 
Don't forget to subscribe to get the newest episodes at thepartonomicshow.com. Special thanks to our sponsors, Iolite. To learn more about Iolite, visit iolitepro.com. And Partnernomics, the science of partnering. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics courses, coaching programs, and consulting services, visit Partnernomics.com. See you on the next episode.